Okay, well, let's begin with prayer. It is a precious thing, dear Lord, that we can gather and talk about important things that affect our lives and ponder the wonderful Redeemer that we have and learn to trust Him in the midst of the struggles and issues that you allow us to experience. Please be with us today. May His name be loved. May His word be listened to today. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Okay, so today we're going to start talking about conflict. And, um, of course, all couples have conflict. Just, if you haven't had any conflict yet, just wait. But everybody has conflict. We had plenty even before we got married, like most people do. Um... We should not be surprised that when two sinners live together that they're going to have disagreements, that they're going to see things from different perspectives, that they're going to misunderstand one another, that they're going to falsely accuse one another. When we marry we don't begin with a blank slate. We come with baggage. We come with issues. We come imprinted with childhood experiences. We come with habits. We come with sensitivities. So, there's conflict. And we need to learn to deal with conflict in a godly way. And the first thing is to understand our conflict and accept our conflicts. Um, to not be outraged that there's a conflict or that the other person has a different thought or a different way of seeing things, but to accept that that's going to be the case and to start paying attention to what happens in our conflicts to become a student of the patterns that you see happening over and over and over again in your conflicts. The vicious cycles of communication, which I don't know, you know, I've only been in one marriage, so I only know one marriage well, but I know that many people say that almost everyone has these cycles that keep happening. And um, so the issue is, are we going to begin paying attention to that and try to figure out what's going on or are we just going to continue to run like little mice around and around and around and around? A few years ago, um, it always seemed like I had cuts on the back of my knuckles. Little tiny mini cuts on the back of my knuckles. And I just lived with it. I'm, you know, I'm a guy, I don't care if I have little cuts on the back of my knuckles that you get. I got little cuts all over me. I have no idea what, what did most of them. But these were just constantly there and constantly, uh, and so I started paying attention. What in my life is causing these cuts. 
So I start paying attention. Where, where am I putting my hands? What am I doing? And one day I realized that when I, I have this plastic shoe holder that's three levels, and when I reach in, grab the shoes on my way out, the bottom lip perfectly and and there's this little sharp edge. And so I just touch my knuckles on the way out, and that was giving me these little cuts. I didn't even really feel it, not enough to notice it. But I realized that that's what was doing, causing the problem. And so I was able, I didn't change the sharpness. I just was a little more careful when I took my shoes out. Now I don't even think about it. It's just second nature to me to be careful when I take my shoes out. And so the first thing is to pay attention to what's causing the problem, how we get into this, and then you can start figuring out how to, to deal with it. Now, I'm going to tell a little bit of our story. Um, Marianne tells me that whenever I, I talk about our relationship, I always focus on the, the negative things, the bad things. And that's very true. Um, I'm an engineer, and it's an engineer's nature to focus on the things that go wrong, not the things that are going right. But, um, you know, there are many positive things, and there are, we've had many good times, and many fun times, and many precious times together all through our marriage. So I don't want to give the impression that it was all bad. But I want to tell you a little bit about the pattern, one of the patterns that we used to be in. Um, and I have to start with our childhood because that's, we eventually figured out that that's what was going on. I grew up in a home, my father's an engineer, and so he believed in constructive criticism. So we would often, after a vacation, after a meal, after a family time, we'd often sit and evaluate the time. And we'd give positives and negatives. And so I grew up in an environment where constructive criticism was a real thing. Marianne never experienced constructive criticism, by and large, in her family. In her family, um, Criticism wasn't frequent, but when it existed, it was an insult, generally. And so for her, criticism was identified with insult. Well, you can see what's going to happen here. Um, they put the two of us together, and I'm trying to love her by giving her constructive criticism, just like I would want constructive criticism. But she's not taking it as constructive criticism. She's taking it as an insult. And then on the other hand, when she gives me criticism, it's because she's tried to hold back her anger longer until she can't hold it back anymore, and she blurts it out, and she's angry with me. So it's not constructive at all. And so it's easy for me to dismiss because it's not objective, it's not designed to be constructive. And so we would get in these, uh, this is the pattern of how it would begin. Um, her input was unscientific, 
subjective, and emotional. My input was blunt, not tender, and not sensitive. So it was easy for me to dismiss her input and easy for her to be hurt by my input. I didn't, I wasn't malicious. It, I was just, but it was, that doesn't mean it wasn't taken as malicious. I thought she was the problem because she kept attributing bad motives to my constructive criticism. She thought I was the problem because she felt like I kept insulting her and that she could do nothing right. And I kept defending myself. You know, when, when somebody says, you're being mean to me and you're just trying to help them, you're not going to say, you're right. I'm being mean to you, forgive me. I'm not, I'm not, I'm, not, I'm trying to help you. But you see, it doesn't, it's deeper than that and more complicated than that. And too much of our communication was just posturing and trying to prove that we were right and the other one was the one that had the problem. Now there are other themes and there are certainly a thousand variations on this theme and I'm sure your patterns are different. I don't bring this up because I think that probably your pattern is the same. I think everybody's got different patterns. but Everybody's got patterns. People kept telling us that we don't appreciate each other enough. I mean, this is like a lot of people. Like everybody we asked to help us would say that as their conclusion. You don't appreciate each other enough. And yet somehow that wasn't even helpful. Even though it was encouraging, it wasn't really helping us to get past the problem. The fact is we didn't really understand each other very well and we didn't understand ourselves very well. So we really didn't understand what was going on and why. But the worst problem wasn't that we didn't understand each other and we didn't understand ourselves. The worst problem was that we thought we did understand each other and understand ourselves. And therefore we weren't students of, we thought we had it figured out. Each of us thought we had it figured out. Very different conclusions, of course. But we thought that we understood and we thought that we had, we had isolated the problem and the problem was the other person. We saw each other's weaknesses, weaknesses far better than we saw our own. It really wasn't until I began to come to grips with my problem of pain avoidance that, that began to melt the iceberg. Um, you know, I real, you know, you can stuff pain only so long. Uh, the analogy that, and I, you've probably heard this before, but I felt like every time something painful came into my life, I'd 
grab a hold of it, I'd carry it down a few floors and lock it into a room in the dungeon of my heart and come up and live as if it wasn't there. But when you lock enough pains down in the depths of your heart, even though you can't hear them individually, it's like there's this low moaning and noise that you hear rumbling up from the basement. And so you're, you're constantly in pain, even though you may not even know why. And that's sort of what happened to me. And it wasn't until I, the Lord, got me to the point where I couldn't ignore my pain anymore. I had to face it and deal with it. Then I could begin to understand other people's pain, and especially my wife's pain. And that's another part of this that, in my opinion, is so important if we're going to learn to deal with each other and learn to deal with conflicts, is to realize that your spouse is in pain. Your spouse is hurting. Now, some of you are very aware of that. And that's a wonderful thing. That's, you're much better off than I was. But, uh, you know, the fact is, people are hurting. This is a painful world. God's cursed it, and we're, there's thorns and thistles and struggles and pain. God imposed it upon the creation. But not only that, we also have pain um, because we were made, as we'll talk about in our sermon this morning, well, we're made to love, and yet we don't experience love in the way that we long to experience love. And we, that longing is painful, that unsatisfied longing for love is painful. Conflict isn't, uh, doesn't always tell you what is wrong in your relationship, but it does tell you that something's wrong. And it's, uh, it's a good place to start when you're trying to figure out what's going on and why your relationship has struggles and vicious cycles, if it does. I'm not, I'm not suggesting that if you don't have these things, you ought to figure out a way to experience them so that, so that you, you can have the fruit of it. You just, um, I'm not saying that at all. Um, when it comes to conflicts, the key is to learn to see it as something that God has assigned to us because he loves us. You know how many verses there are that say things like, don't repay insult for insult? And when people persecute you for no reason, you know, this is what you should do. It's because that's an expected part of life. It's not like, oh, every once in a while, a few of you might experience this. No. Everyone's going to get insulted. Everyone's going to get misunderstood. Everyone's going to be thought evil of when they don't feel like they were doing anything wrong. That's just a part of human existence. And so the first thing is to remember that God is still on his throne. 
that we still have a redeemer and that he is he's calling us to conflict he's calling us to deal with other people who we're at odds with including and especially in this case our wives and our husbands we react to so much without really thinking about it you know something triggers us and a lot of times you can figure out you know childhood experiences that cause you to respond like this when something like this happens and so there's a reason and it's a good thing to figure out that that reason is but the point is so much of what we do is just reacting it's not thinking about okay what's the best thing for me to do here what would Christ want me to do so that's the first step is to to remember that God is in this and remember that this is a calling from the Lord and to ask the Lord how to deal with it instead of just reacting um, the bottom line is it hurts us when we're not loved but the Lord always loves us perfectly and so that's our anchor we don't need to be loved by our spouse in order for us to be strong in order for us to f be whole we just need to trust in the Lord's love for us and then we, and when that when we're like that then we're going to be able to um, not react but consider and keep our mind you know um, reform people are they say we're Calvinists right well and we believe in the sovereignty of God well you can be a theoretical Calvinist and not a practical Calvinist you can believe that God's in control of everything but when things happen to you you act like he's not it's so easy for us to forget our Calvinism when we're faced with something that really bugs us so we have to work on our Calvinism to be confident in God's sovereign love even when things are happening that we that feel and look like they're out of control the fact is for Marianne and I there were deep things that um, had to be dealt with and hand tools like screwdrivers and hammers and rulers they, that wasn't strong enough tool to deal with the things that we had to deal with we needed jackhammers and pressure washers and bulldozers for God to get to the stuff that we had to deal with and so even though it was excruciatingly painful at times God had a good purpose and now we can see that but at the time all we could do is remind ourselves God is in this he has a reason for this he's doing good because he does good in everything and keep 
moving forward in that confidence. The second thing is, as I said, to recognize that your spouse is in pain. Um, bruised and beaten by the fall, as one of our songs says. Now, I'm not saying that there's not a little Pharisee in each one of us, too, that needs to be rebuked. But the wounded part of us is often harder to discern and easier to forget about, easier to neglect than the Pharisee proud, hard part. So your spouse needs your compassion. And really, in our marriage, that's one of the things that we look back on and feel really bad about is that we really failed in terms of compassion towards each other. Now, you know, again, it's a joy for me that my marriage, that our marriage struggles might help someone else with their marriage. But I'm not assuming that, you know, this is true about everybody. Um, I'm just telling you our story. How many of you have ever seen a movie entitled Wit? W-I-T. Wit. Well, this is a wonderful blessing that you haven't seen this because now you get to see it. Um, it's really a, quite an amazing movie. It stars Emma Thompson. She's an English professor who gets cancer. The whole thing takes place in her hospital room as she's in a hospital bed with cancer. But it's a wonderful movie to remind us about the importance of compassion. So if you want a little cinematic energy to help you um, have your eyes open to the need for compassion, that's a great place to go. Um, and she, that's the lesson that she learns from, interestingly, a apparently Christian nurse that she has in the hospital. So uh, watch that movie, especially, it's a great movie, even if this isn't a big issue for you, but if it is, it's even better. Um, you know, learning what childhood experiences wounded your spouse is an important part of getting to know them and understanding how they operate and understanding why these patterns occur. And, um, and being compassionate towards them as children in the situations that they were in is a very important part of learning to be compassionate towards them today. I just, oh, I don't have time. So I'm going to stop it there and I'm going to um, break us up. Let's see, we got one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight. So we have eight men here. So let's split up into pairs. So I have four pairs of two men each. You guys can split up and whoever's left over gets stuck with me. And then we have one, two, three, four, five, six, seven women. So do the same thing with the women except whoever's left over is going to have to go and make a third, make a, some group of three. Okay? And here's the question. And you who are watching this from home, I have a special question for you. So hang on a minute. Here's the question that I'd like you to 
to uh, talk about. Um, what are three things about marital conflict that you would like prayer for? What are three things about marital conflict that you would like prayer for? And for those of you at home, you should split off with your spouse. That's all you have. And uh, here's the question um, that you have to answer. Or I recommend you answer. For me, it's I hate being falsely accused. What is it that you hate? What is it that you hate? And share this out of confession, not out of accusation. It's like, when you do this, it drives me crazy. Don't do that. Okay, let's split up. You go somewhere in the room, if possible. Don't go outdoors. <laughs>